What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. I'm Amanda Cook, and I'm so glad you're taking time out of your busy week building your wellness business to spend time with me. I just love our little virtual community of Wellpreneurs that can support each other and share what we're working on and just really help each other take our businesses to the next level. Now, this week, I've got a guest that I'm super excited about on the show. I've got podcasting expert Elsie Escobar, who is just fantastic. Elsie runs a female podcasting group called She Podcasts, which I'm a part of, and it's just awesome. And she also runs a podcast with Libsyn, who's a podcast host. And she's also got Elsie's Yoga Class, which is a podcast that's been around since 2006. So Elsie is just crazy about podcasting. And I've had several inquiries from you guys, comments and tweets saying that you want to learn more about podcasting or you're thinking of starting your own podcast. So I thought Elsie is the perfect person to have on the show. But before we jump into that, I just want to know, how are you doing in your business so far this year? Ever since our episode with Rachel Feldman a couple of shows ago where we were talking about productivity and goal setting, I'm wondering if you actually went back and reevaluated your goals for the year and got yourself on a new plan. I know that I have been doing that and really taking a look at where I wanted to get this year. And now that we're a month and a half in, trying to see, am I on track with that? And one place where I found that I was really getting off track was with my schedule. So last year, I had a really good schedule going where every day I had tasks chunked together. So like Mondays, I knew exactly what needed to be published. And then on Tuesdays, I'd spent time working with clients. And then Wednesday mornings, I was working on like my content and Wednesday afternoons was clients. And those were my only two client times. And then Thursdays was vintage Amanda stuff. And I had it really chunked out day by day. But somewhere in the craziness of the end of the year and pulling my products off the market and going away for Christmas and then coming back, that's all gotten just completely... I've just fallen off the bandwagon, basically, with my schedule. And I didn't even really realize it until, you know, I was sitting in my office and working and working and realized that I hadn't left the house for like two days. And actually, we actually had sunshine and blue skies in London, which in February is basically impossible. Like that just doesn't happen in London. Sorry, I tended to complain about the English weather, but it's really gray a lot of the time. So there was sunshine and blue skies and I didn't go outside. And this is just absolutely crazy to me because I love the sunshine. And I always try to say, well, you know, because I'm self-employed, because I work for myself and run my own business, I build a lot of time for self-care and doing things that I really enjoy in my life. And like last summer, I was taking all this time to sit outside in the sun during lunch to go on walks and go foraging, which I love to do and do photography and make beauty products. Well, that all went out the window somewhere after Christmas. I'm not sure why. And I realized that I'd been just working and working and working and not spending time actually living and doing what 
what I love to do and really enjoying my life. I was just becoming a workaholic again. I think a lot of you can probably relate to that. When you absolutely love your business and love what you're doing, it can be fun to just work all the time. So I have to really remind myself that I need to have a life outside of my business too. So I sat down in my mastermind group last week and actually went back through and mapped out a weekly schedule for myself, just big blocks of time. So what happens on Monday mornings and what happens on Monday afternoons and Friday afternoons are just for play and creativity, different things like that. And I've drawn it out, little arts and crafts time, and I've got it hanging on the bulletin board directly behind my computer. And this week, I'm forcing myself to stick to this schedule. So I'm doing things like creating content well in advance again and going to the gym and having date night with my husband. All of these things that add up to a well-balanced, enjoyable life, right? So I just wanted to share that with you, that even once you get your perfect morning routine nailed down or your perfect schedule, life happens and you can kind of fall off the wagon with that. And so if you notice yourself that you're just, you know, not really having your life structured the way that you'd like it to be, just take some time this week to just revisit your schedule, refocus on what's actually really important in your business, and then put it into a schedule and see if that can help bring a little more structure and a little more sanity and a little more creativity and free time and pleasure into your business week. Okay, so now we're going to jump into my conversation with Elsie Escobar all about podcasting, which is so exciting. If you have any desire at all to start a podcast, I think you'll really like our conversation. And and I encourage you at the end is that if it resonates with you at all, if you have any interest in starting a podcast, you should just do it in 2015. And I would love to hear your podcast, even if you just released the first episode. Make sure to tweet me at Vintage Amanda and let me know what you're up to. So Elsie shares lots of resources in this episode, and you'll be able to get all of those in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com slash 58. Now let's get into our conversation with Elsie Escobar. Well, hi, Elsie. Welcome to the show today. Well, hi, Amanda. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm actually, no, actually, I'm freezing cold in my office here in London. Oh, are you? We've got like an mm. Arctic breeze that's coming in through my window. So where are yeah. you, Pittsburgh? We're actually, no, we're in North Carolina. We just moved here in oh October. Oh my gosh, so it's, right. It's not, it's like a new, it's a new thing. Oh, so you're nice and, and warm. Well, not really, because we live... <laughs> We live way up in the mountain in the mountains. We're sort of about thirty to thirty five minutes away from the closest like main town and uh, which is Asheville. But we live in a place called Batcave and we're basically homesteading up here. You know, we didn't you know, we don't have central heating. We have to heat up with a stove, with a wood wow. stove, that kind of stuff. Batcave. So it's, uh, like the Bat, bat cave. cave, I know. <laughs> yeah, isn't that neat? Like when I was first, I was like, what? Bat, but it is Bat Cave, so it's kind of fun to say. My husband would love that. <laughs> He's a big Batman fan. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't have you on to talk about the weather in Batman. Elsie, the reason I wanted to have you on the show today is to talk about podcasting because I've actually had a few requests from listeners that are interested in starting their own podcast. And when I thought of that, I thought you are the woman to have on because you are like the biggest podcasting evangelist especially to try to get more women podcasters on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so, <laughs> so right now, so you run three different podcasts. Is that right? 
I do. Uh, what two of them are the ones that I I'm very consistent with, and I sadly to say the one is uh, what we we call pod, pod faded, which is sort of like it's still out there, but it's not being updated. So I have not updated that third, which is my yoga podcast for now over a year, sadly. <laughs> but it's still work. It's still doing its thing though, which is the fun part. Yeah. So tell us about that because that's actually although you say you haven't updated it, one of the other podcasts you that you host every week is called She Podcasts, which is a community for podcasters. So anybody out there that's going to start a podcast, if you're female, definitely check out She Podcasts. But on that, you happen to share the listener statistics for your yoga podcast, even though you haven't updated it in a year. And it totally blew my mind. Would you mind sharing those? Yeah. You know what's really interesting? Let me just give you a little bit of backstory on that so that people can kind of understand why this is happening. Because for me to just talk about numbers like that is going to be a little like not fair because it's been happening for a while. So it's not like I just decided to do this and there it is. And so, and plus your audience, I think will also appreciate the story. So I'm very, I'm a very passionate person and I, and I kind of ended up being and felt falling in love with yoga and becoming a, a yoga instructor. And, and that's what I did for 10 years. I taught yoga basically as a full-time job. Thankfully, I was able to make a living doing that. And in the process, of course, I, you know, I got a really fantastic audience uh, base, or not audience base, but student base and everything. And they get, you know, they got very attached to me and, and um, they would often say, I'm going on vacation. I want to take you with me. And just in passing, it wasn't like they really wanted to, but they were just like, I wish I could have your classes when we're on vacation or where I'm going here. And I said, oh, okay. And I just, I kind of put that in, in the back of my mind. And then I fell in love again, which was with my iPod. I, ha- I got an iPod number five for, um, for Christmas in 2005. And in that process, you know, I didn't really have that much music, but I put it into my computer and I found these things called podcasts and iTunes. And, and I thought, what the heck are these things? I thought they were like a way to learn. That's what I thought it was. And I downloaded a bunch of things that I was really interested in. I downloaded like an anatomy course that was being offered by some university, of course, because I was such a yoga geek. I downloaded some stuff about computers, like a podcast about computers, because I didn't really know very much about computers either. And I downloaded like public radio podcasts at that time too, like NPR stuff. And I started listening. And through that, I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I went into the rabbit hole and I realized there was like a whole movement of podcasts and podcasters. And I found these people to be incredibly inspiring. Like a lot of them were like people just in their houses recording stuff that they believed in. And I just thought, how fun is that? I want to do that. So I fell in love with podcasting itself. I just felt this kinship to people sharing their experiences and voices. And I thought, my God, I need to have a show, right? I wanted to create a show. And at that time, I thought, well, I can't really do that because I don't have time. But I really just wanted to do the thing. So I thought, what's the easiest thing for me to do? I'll just record myself teaching class. That's when I thought, oh, my God, that's the easiest thing ever. I'll just record myself while I'm teaching. And I'll just offer that up as a podcast. And I, in in all honesty, Amanda, I did it because I wanted to experiment with the medium and I needed some, something that was recorded that I could put up. So there was no forethought about anything other than that. And when was this? Like 2006? This was in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. So this was during the spring. I started to do a lot of research about it and, you know, listen to podcasts about podcasting and read books and all that fun stuff. And so I got my gear together. And at that time, the only real gear that that was more necessary for me for what I wanted to do 
was that I needed a digital recorder. Like I needed something to record myself while I was teaching. So I wasn't thinking of getting like a desktop microphone, which we're using right now. I didn't really need a computer at that time to record that. I just needed that. And I used something called the iRiver, which back in the day was what all podcasters were using, which was a little MP3 player, right? It was meant to be used as a music player that you just put your headphones on and and listen to it. It was this tiny, tiny little thing that was like, smaller than like if you would think about you know that the candies rollos you know those little mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen like they're little tiny let's think about it like a super tiny chocolate bar smaller than the chocolate bars that you see like the organic chocolate candy bars that are like a little uh, I, I like that you threw in organic candy bars yes after the, orga- the, course, the organic, <laughs> organic chocolate yes That's and good. so it was it was really small and i stuck it in my pocket and what was really cool about the i river is that it had an a line out which i learned was how you can stick like a little lavalier microphone which is a little lab like a microphone that you put on your lapel and it had the, the end, the bottom end of it was like the headphone jack, right? So you just stuck it in the little hole. And because it wasn't a headphone jack little hole, it was called a line-in hole. I just stuck it in there. And then, you know, magically the, the, the class was recorded into that tiny little MP3 player. And it had really great sound quality, which is why podcasters loved it so much. And so I just started to do that. I would record my classes a lot. I was teaching about 15 classes a week at that time. So I would pick and choose which classes I recorded. And sometimes I would record like up to five classes because I thought, oh, that class wasn't so good, you know, (laughs) and I would just record another one. And I started to release them as a podcast. You know, every week I would release a class for about, I think I went like pretty consistently for... I would say about nine or eight, eight or nine months. And I was very well received by so many different people. I have an insane amount of downloads that started and I got a lot of support from iTunes at that time because there weren't very many yoga people Mm -hmm. that were doing this. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know, I don't know if you know this, but fun fact, I ran a podcast Mm -hmm. back in 2006 too. Way, way back in the day. And actually, (laughs) I got into podcasting also from a yoga podcast. I don't know if you ever came across this one, but there was one called Hip Tranquil Chick by Kimberly Wilson. Absolutely. Kimberly is amazing at what she's done. Have you interviewed her? Yes, I've interviewed her. And I actually met up with her because I used to live in D.C., which is where I found out about Mm. her because that's where her studio was. And so I've had her on the show. Um, I'll put the link to her interview in the show notes because her podcast has been going forever. And and like I said, she's what inspired me to get into it. And all also, I actually, she was in Paris last summer and I went down and did a natural perfumery workshop with her as well. So we've, yeah, Kimberly's fabulous. She's great. So she was so inspiring. And that actually prompted me to start this podcast that's no longer available, sadly. It was called How Not to Be Dreadful. And it was like, <laughs> it was like a podcast with me and one of my friends about modern etiquette. It was kind of like humor on modern etiquette. We were both single and living in DC and just kind of, you know, our observations on what happened. How funny. But which was brilliant. And unfortunately, then when I moved to Europe, that kind of we just kind of went our separate ways. But what was funny back then is that, like you said, like nobody was podcasting. So we got like tons of coverage for our podcast, which now, well, it was kind of like a double edged sword because nobody was podcasting. So you got attention, but also there weren't very many podcast listeners, whereas now there's a lot more people that know about them. But like it's a more crowded space. So it's kind of a, a trade off. So anyway, so during that time, like what you said, I just started to do it. And then life kind of got in the way. Like I moved to Pittsburgh in 2007. I got pregnant. I had two girls like not back to back, but 
But I think back to back because my second one was like almost three when I had my third. And so that process of giving birth at this moment coming kind of out of that mama cave. So I really had to choose my priorities. And the yoga podcast was something that I allowed to kind of fade into the distance. <laughs> and uh, But it's amazing to me, like if you want to hear stats as a whole, that yoga podcast as of now, all time has been downloaded almost 4 million times. So it's at 3,939,488. And for, uh, let me see, like yesterday's downloads, I had 607 downloads for my podcast as a whole. And I've had like, holy cow, I've had 9,157 downloads as of February as we're speaking right now. And I haven't done anything with that. Like, I don't even, I don't tweet about it. I don't share it. I haven't updated it. I don't do anything to it. It's just kind of like That's doing amazing. its own thing. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it really is because I was in there at the beginning, you know, and people liked it. I have a lot of really steady fans. I'm always findable. Like if you go into iTunes and you search for yoga podcast, I will come up. And that is something that you can't really buy that because I've been there for so long and there's so many algorithms to iTunes and the mm -hmm. longevity of it and the amount of people that have subscribed, that's what gives me that search algorithm and that's what happens with it. But turning to how people can really, uh, how, how, how would I say it? Like you still like, it doesn't matter. For me, it doesn't really matter that I'm getting all those downloads because I'm not doing anything with yeah, them. Yeah, I, I, I wanted right? to hit on that too, because you basically, it's you're not monetizing it, right? Or you have no, a little app, I am not. But, you, but other than I that. I do have an yeah. app, yes. So I guess if you, you know, I yes, I do have an app. I make, I don't know, about $15, $30 a month off of that app. One, I'll get an, a check in the mail for the app. And it is, and it basically, what's interesting about that too, is because it's super passive income. It was designed by Libsyn, who is a company that I, I think you host your podcast mm -hmm. uh, with, and, and as do I. And so it had, there have a, a system to be able to recreate like iPhone apps for you. And mine was one of the first ones that went out and... I charge $3.99 for the app, but it only has classes in it. It has the free stuff that you can get anyways. So I basically, people buy it just because they really love my app or me, and they want to have those classes there to practice. So it's just about convenience. And that's what my selling point for that app is convenience is like, mm -hmm. if you want all of my, if you know, if you know that you want me to teach you when you want my classes and you want them, then you go ahead and download my app. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to talk about, because I realized that we were just saying how awesome it was to start back in 2006. And, and obviously we don't right. want to get stuck on that point because for everybody listening, podcasting's quite hot right now. And it's really, you know, right. there's still opportunity to get into it. But before we talk about how people can start podcasts, one thing I find really interesting about you that's different than so many of my other guests is that I don't know how to say this. Like you don't really have like a financial agenda. Like you're not going to try to sell us anything <laughs> at the end of this. Whereas, <laughs> whereas so many guests are like, you know, obviously pitch something, which is fine because they're in business. And I was listening to one of your shows and you'd, you'd said something that you don't really consider yourself an entrepreneur. You really see yourself as a woman in technology. And I just thought that was really, really interesting. And was wondering if you could kind of talk a bit about that and yeah, how you see yourself and how podcasting fits in. Absolutely. What's really interesting about that is that I, I did a course with one of my business coaches, Erica Learmark, and she had an exercise that we had to do where we had to find the labels that you you have always put on for yourself and then at the same time, write the labels that society has given you, you know, whether it's as simple as mother, you know, something like that, that culture sees me as mother as well as myself. 
and also that have to do with professionalism. And then we had to go of the labels that no longer, you know, serve you. And I started to look at that stuff and it was a really powerful exercise to me. Actually, it was a very life-changing little work that I did when I realized that there are certain words that just certainly don't resonate with me. And while doing a lot of business training of how to monetize or make money online, there are certain things or labels that I thought I needed to have that didn't serve me. And entrepreneur was one of them. And it's not that maybe I don't have the heart of it or that I don't do it. Uh, And I guess by definition, I am an entrepreneur, but it doesn't resonate with me. That's not how I would introduce myself with somebody. That's not the community that I want to serve. And I found that at the essence, I am a woman in tech. I am what I call myself as yogic, which is a mixture of a yogi and a geek, you know, (laughs) because I'm in this mystical paradox that I like that I like to refer to as of being at the heart of technology and also aligning with earth based rhythms and the organic rhythms of life. And that to me is what I'm really passionate about. And I find that especially for the people that we serve, which are health practitioners or yogis that are trying to make a living off of this incredible art form, I find that there's a lot of resistance to that word as well. And so I found, okay, so it's not that it's not about making money. It's about just the label that you put to yourself. You know, it's the same thing. It's just that I resonate better with being a woman in tech. I Mm -hmm. resonate being a journalist. I resonate with being a host. I resonate with being a personality better than an entrepreneur. Cool. So let's talk about if if people are interested in starting a podcast. Well, first of all, are there too many podcasts? I mean, there's like been this massive boom of podcasting in the past year, and it seems like everybody's starting a podcast. Like, what do you think? Is it still worthwhile starting one if people are interested? Or is it kind of saturated? I don't think it's saturated. I think that uh, as anything else, the saturation happens anyway. It's going to happen anyway. But I find podcasting to be one of the best ways to serve your community. Not necessarily to, like you can't really get the kinds of numbers that I'm getting at this moment very easily. You have to work very, very hard. You can do it, but it doesn't happen overnight. You have to do a lot of work to be able to get those kinds of numbers. But the kind of responses that you do get from your community are very, very committed and very full of service, if you will, because you can start to create recordings or teachings or classes that your people can really benefit you by taking you with them. I can't even tell you how how powerful it is when people are still practicing my classes when they're like on their honeymoon in Hawaii. And I get people who are telling me that they practiced while they were doing like some kind of mission in Africa. And that was the only thing that they heard. And to know that these people, even though I personally did not do this myself, that these people, because of me, did teacher trainings, you know, and Mm -hmm. like they went out and did teacher trainings. They became yoga teachers. These are people I've never met before. And they mention me all the time as one of their key teachers. I think something that's so different about podcasting is it's really a long form type of content. And so whereas everybody's so busy and they're scanning blog posts and they're scanning social media and like watching 30 second videos, when you make a podcast, even if you don't have a huge audience, the depth and the relationship that you develop with that audience, which is what you're hitting on, I think is so much deeper because you're in their ears, like you're in their ears at the gym when they're walking, when they're doing the dishes and the housework while they're cooking dinner. Like you really... the people whose podcasts I listen to, I really feel like I've gotten to know them. And that's something I don't think you get from a blog. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And particularly with the type of work that holistic people professionals do, 
which is very intimate. It's beyond the one thing. It's multi-layered. And I feel adding the audio component to it isn't pretty amazing. I do have some classes, you know, that were meditation classes specific. For the most part, my podcast was, was incredibly simple and rudimentary. It literally was me coming into the classroom. I turned on the recorder. I started recording and I turned the recorder off. There really was no editing. It was a live, in quotes, class that I put out there. Later on, I started to change it a little bit and record myself <laughs> talking to nobody because I was not teaching any more public classes, which was a problem. But at the beginning, that's what it was. It really wasn't, I wasn't doing any anything more than that. It was super simple. But I did do some meditations in between. Like there was a yoga nidra class that I taught that was really, really powerful for a lot of people. It's something that I had a lot of downloads for that specific class. I had the most feedback for that specific class. People have been looking for a yoga nidra class. They hadn't found one that they totally liked. They loved my voice. They loved this and that. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. So I could understand the power of audio for that. And that was the simplest thing I think I've ever done, you know, Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to make it grow. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what would you recommend? I think podcasting can seem a bit daunting because it's not just like typing a blog post and pressing publish. It's like you need equipment or people don't really get how it works and where do you put it? And and we don't need to go into all that here. But if you were to start a podcast, a new podcast in the most simple way, like if you wanted to just make it really easy for somebody, what advice would you give them to get started? I think most of us have smartphones and I think that's where I would start at this point. A smartphone, like me, either an Android device or even an iPhone now has the capability to do so much in terms of recording and the quality of audio is off the hook of the kind of things that it's capable of doing, which was not there in the past. And if you were to, you could basically use your voice memo app, meaning it's already built into the app and you can start recording little small tidbits of information, maybe start to get used to yourself talking into a machine (laughs) because sometimes that gets in the way. And if you want to teach your, I mean, if you want to record your public classes, there are some very simple or not too high of an investment things that you can, that you can use. There is the smart lab by Rode Mm -hmm. Microphones. And the Smart Lab, I believe, is around 60 to $70. And it's a little lapel microphone like I was talking to you about. This is specifically for smartphones, more specifically to iOS devices. It does work with some Android devices. And you just stick it into the headphone jack. Uh, you could put your phone in your pocket or whatever you want while you're teaching. And then just clip that little clip on to your lapel and go ahead and teach a class. And then it will capture all of that into whatever. And that's the other thing that you need. You need to have like a recording app that you open up before you start, which it could be the even the, the memos app as well. That's already built in. So you don't have to download anything new. But and then that'll automatically just bring it down onto your device. And the quality is pretty darn good. I own the, the smart lab. I have it in my backpack at all times. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And I, and it's been, and it's a really wonderful little, and it's an extra little investment that you have, but it's really great. It's a really great tool. It has a little windscreen on it and everything. And there are some, I'm going to share a free app that you can have, Amanda, that I'll, I'll give it to you for recording, which is the one that I use because you can export out via WAV files or MP3s. And one of the key problems is transference of files from the iOS devices or your smartphone app into the computer. Sometimes if you want to do a little bit more editing or if you want to FTP it, which means that you can send it 
to another service online, you can do that as well. And this little free app, you can send files to Dropbox, you can send files to your computer, you can send files to so many different places via so many different ways. And I found that to be the easiest. It's a pretty powerful app and it's free. Awesome. We (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So and then just so everyone gets an idea of how it works, basically, you would upload that or you, you would use a service like Libsyn, right? Mm-hmm. Like podcast hosting or something like that to upload your audio files to. And then you just make sure that iTunes knows that you're producing that podcast, which is pretty simple to set up once. And then it, it just works. So basically, you it just, just need works. to... <laughs> yeah. It does. It's actually, once you get it set up, it's really easy to, to produce new episodes. It's just that initial hurdle, I think. It just sounds like a whole foreign language, really, for people. Yeah. So once you have your files, like that's the stuff. If you know, if you, you know, if you think about it, your files, like if you're doing a book, if you think about that, if you have a book, you every one of those files is like a chapter in your book or even a page of your book. And you so if you have that, you can either, you know, rip a page out of your book and give it to your students right? You can just rip a page and give it to them. Or you can then grab all of your your little uh, pages, aka MP3 files, audio files, and upload them onto your podcast host, which is sort of like the book binder, if you will. That's where like everything kind of put gets put into a cohesive place. And then it generates the book, which is your RSS feed. So the RSS feed is kind of like how all of these are delivered into this thing, which is called a podcast, so that all of those little files can be updated as you upload something new onto the podcast host. Mm -hmm. And it's that RSS feed, right, that you input into iTunes, the the actual, uh, the iTunes store. It's just a little feed. It's kind of like your address, like where you live. And then you, you send that into iTunes and then it pulls from the podcast host. It pulls from that other place where you're uploading your stuff. Thank you so much. You just explained that so much better than I did. Clearly, okay. you've explained this. You've obviously explained this many times before. That was really useful. Yeah, thank you. So what about, and maybe this is like a bit funny for me to say, but like I noticed that a lot of people are coming out with the same kind of shows where people interview entrepreneurs, which I realize that's what I'm doing. So, right. you know, <laughs> I don't know if I, if I group my, although I have a specific niche, but I have noticed that, that a lot of people are creating the same kind of podcast. It's like how you find a lot of people creating the same kind of blog posts, like you see what works and just copy it. So what kind of options are there beyond just the standard interview shows? What else do you see people doing in podcasts? Oh my gosh, it's so fun to have this conversation. Okay, yes, you can have interview shows, of course. You can have different kinds of conversations depending. Like if I were a teacher right now, if I were like a yoga teacher, I'd love to have interviews with my students. I thought that would be really fun. Like I would have little short snippet interviews with my students and just talk to them about, I don't know, their experience, how they got into yoga, something like that, just to make it very real and earthy. I could also do like a very, you, you don't also have to, you know how you have been doing this for a while now and you, uh, you know, you do your shows. Or how often? Every week? It's every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's every week when it starts to come out and it's like an ongoing thing. You don't have to do that. You could do a series and it could just, you could just be done with it. So let's say getting into the massage business or something like that. And then you'll just do one to 10 and you'll just offer that as a podcast. 
And that's it. Like you don't have to do anything else. You can interview people if you want. You can just do it yourself by doing some research and talking about all the different places where you could learn massage or people you studied with or other uh, avenues, what types of massage are out there that you need to be aware of, how you want to get very, if, if you like Swedish massage as opposed to Thai massage or something like that, and then figure out how to do that. Or you can even just do tips. Very simple that the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, which uh, Mignon Fogarty started, she does like really simple, I think about five minute podcasts about grammar. Grammar Girl is her yeah. is her podcast mm-hmm. and it's super simple. It's like just one word <laughs> and she just talks about the one word and it's done. One of my favorites that I gravitate towards a lot and it's a, but it's a lot of work, but it's so awesome is curated content. So if you are very much into a specific thing, like I'm into podcasting or uh, there was a point, there was a, a time there where I really wanted to do this for the yoga industry to curate all of the yoga articles that are out there that are talking about different things and really put it together as if I'm a reporter reporting on the yoga industry at the time, talking about what the cultural shifts and shifts are going on on the online media space, you know, and social media, who's talking about what, and then perhaps having people come on the show just like as a random conversation about an article, because I thought that would be great. There's an article right now that somebody wrote for Yoga International that is about, I think it's a, a yoga studio that has currently put a sign out in the front saying that they are not going to be teaching shoulder stand or headstand at all because it's too dangerous. Period. Hmm. Banning, like basically banning shoulder stand and headstand and then really pushing that people don't practice these anymore. So obviously that has spewed a huge debate from a lot of different points of view, right? And I think that would be a great conversation to have with a lot of people who think that, yes, that's the way to do it. Yeah, no more headstand, no more shoulder stand. And then people who are totally pro headstand and shoulder stand and just have a roundtable discussion about that. Now, I think that in your industry that you could be a leader, even if you, maybe you don't really know the answers, but you can facilitate this conversation and really touch base with the leaders in your space. Yes. Those are my favorite types, yeah. you know? Oh, that's such so, a good idea. I love that. And I think that's really freeing because yep. you don't need to start a podcast where you interview people all the time. Like you can do whatever you want. And I love that you said it Absolutely. could be, it could be like five minutes. It could be like some podcasts are like an hour long or more. And then I also loved your idea of like just doing a series or like a finite sequence or a, a season. That kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of the infamous start, um, like the startup pod. Well, no, startups every week, isn't it? But cereal, for example, was just like one season. Yeah. And I heard I was listening to like Michael Hyatt's podcast and I think he said something about a season two. So I got the impression he wasn't doing them every single week. I'm not sure on that. But that's great, too, because I have to say committing to do a show every week, like it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're it's a marathon. You're in it. (laughs) You're like, yeah, yeah, it's never ending. Sometimes it is never ending. And I think that somehow doing seasons also eases your brain. So if you know you're going to record a season of 10 episodes going back to the masseuse thing, 10 episodes on how to get into the massage business, and then you can easily break down that into 10 different episodes and you can kind of batch produce those. You can batch the process. You can do your research on one day. And if you're really committed, you can get that out pretty consistently, but then it can run for over three months. Mm-hmm. So because you can you can totally put that stuff out there already that's pre-scheduled to go out and you have your marketing 
done for that specific thing. And you can just promote that. And yeah, it, there's a, all I have to say is that podcasting is a challenge. If it's an ongoing endeavor, it is very hard. It's not an easy process. You really do need to love it. I adore the medium and I want to push it as much as possible, especially for women. Women's voices need to be heard. We need to have more women's voices out there. But at the same time, I understand the time commitment. So if I were to, I guess, you know, have the time right now to create something that I could push consistently, that I don't have to reinvent my marketing, that I don't have to reinvent having to send somebody somewhere, I would probably create a small podcast that is finite, that has a set amount of episodes that I constantly push. <laughs> I don't have to continue. Don't think you have to keep adding episodes to it. Yeah. I mean, if it's an evergreen topic, like... Just Absolutely. the beginner's guide. Yeah, just create it once and then just promote it and promote it and promote it over and over. Yep. Yeah, yep. awesome. Well, I can't believe it's gone so fast. We're getting to the end of our time together, but could you just share a few like your best podcasting tips or for somebody just get started, just getting started, like what are a couple of thoughts you could kind of leave, leave them with? Number one is especially for, mostly for women, but if you do have male listeners, but I, I say this mostly for women, it is incredibly powerful to get behind the microphone and start to listen to your own voice. And the resistance that you might get and the, I don't know if I can do this kind of thing. I don't like the sound of my own voice. This is a kind of work that's going to take you to the next level. And yes. it's the kind of work, oh, you know, sorry. yeah. I'm <laughs> no, so okay. glad you said that because I hear that so often that people... Well, especially women, they don't want to hear their own voice. They don't want to listen to the recordings. Like they feel really uncomfortable being interviewed. You know, they just, or they don't want to be on video. And I think I'm so glad you said that because yeah, it can be yeah. uncomfortable the first couple of times, but I think it's really empowering. Well, it really it's just, it makes you own it. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like a, mu it's another muscle. I mean, it's another muscle that you have to work. And the voice is a tool that can do so much for people. And for you to be able to just attune to listening to yourself, to understand the power of the of that tool that you have is just incredible. And and even if you don't put out a podcast, if you will, if you just start to record yourself, it's an, it's an amazing exercise. It forced me to be clearer. It forced me to understand how I was filling space. It forced me to understand how to be okay with being quiet. There's so much that I learned from listening to myself. And of course I had to get over it, but part of it is that I did have to get over it. I had to listen to my classes because I was providing the yoga sequences. So at first I, I was like, oh, I don't want to listen to myself. And then I learned so much about being a better teacher, about how to communicate better, about, oh, maybe I should have done that, about when I thought that I was giving them enough space and then I kept talking. <laughs> And I'm like, obviously, that was not enough time for them to process that. <laughs> so it t teaches you a lot. So that's number one, just as an exercise for you to do. And if you do do it, it really does have to come from a place of serving your community. First and foremost, not how to make money. If you want to start to learn how to make money with your podcast, do it for at least a year. Because you can start the process and say, at some point, I want to create an ebook that goes along with it. At some point, I want to create, um, you know, a high end offering for like a mastermind or something. At some point, I want to sell my course, right? You have that when you start. But don't pursue that until after a year that you've done it, or at least six months anyway, six months to a year, because that's when you start to build the momentum. And that's when you can get comfortable with just being with your community and serving them. Again, like you said, Amanda, it's a long tail process here. And if you do get clients out of it, 
bonus, <laughs> but it's like, but it's, and you, it's not like you shouldn't sell anything, meaning like never mention your website, never mention that you can offer these services. It's not about that. It's just kind of, you know, it, it goes hand in hand. If somebody wants to hire me to, to help them with their podcast, it would be not cool for me to say like, for, for them not to be able to contact me. That's just like lame. So, mm-hmm. so but I'm not pushing it. You know what I mean? No, totally. So, and I'd like to say, if I can just add my own at the end, that if you're listening to this and it's resonating with you at all, like, oh, maybe it would be fun to do a podcast, then much like with blogging, I'd say just do it, just try it. You know, use your iPhone, just like Elsie said, and just try to record some things and see how it goes. Because I think, especially with podcasting, because it seems like there's this technical hurdle and you're wondering, like, should I get an intro? Do I need to get it professionally edited? There's all this stuff that can keep you stuck. You know, if it's at all tempting to you, just try it. And then tweet me and let me know because I'd love to hear everyone's new podcast. And join She Podcasts if you're female. Join She Podcasts. I know if you're you're female. But you can listen if you're male. You you can listen (laughs) if you're male. That's all good. That's all good. No, but speaking, so, but this is really, and this is totally like not, this is very random, but being a woman in tech, right? Doing the She Podcast podcast, which is basically two women talking about podcasting and kind of building a, a podcasting community and empowering women to talk and to use their voices and to just get out there, right? So I'm thinking my audience is female, like we were just talking about. Most of you guys are, or that, that are listening to She Podcast. I got an email from one of the top like tech pundits out there, John C. Dvorak, who's been like, in the tech space for years and years. And he was basically saying, thank you so much. Your voice, your voice is, is amazing. Not my voice isn't like talking, but like the voice in the space. It's so, you know, down to earth. And he said some really wonderful things. And then he was like, I'm only sad that you guys are only on Facebook. <laughs> Meaning that oh. our community is only on Facebook, you know? And I was like, it gave me food for thought. But at the same time, it's like, that's not who I'm, I'm not catering to tech pundits. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? But I was so impressed by the fact that he was listening. And so you never know who's listening. You never know, never know it. Never in a million years would I have thought that he would be listening to our podcast about women in podcasting. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's pretty amazing the power that it can have. And again, we don't have very giant numbers by any means. We have a very small, very passionate community and we're super stoked with them. Yeah. And it doesn't really, in the end, I mean, kind of like you said before, you don't need to have huge numbers because you've got such that deep relationship with the people that are listening to you. And also it's like such a specific niche, right? It's like female podcasters. So you don't need a million of them. You just need, you just need us. Yes, you do. (laughs) That's it. That's all. Awesome. Well, thank you, Elsie. Where can everyone, do you have a website to send people to? I know they can go to Elsie's yoga class on iTunes. Yes, you can. You can search for Elsie's yoga class on iTunes if you want to do that. I tend to, uh, my website is lcescobar.com. But if you want to just, you know, hang with me and just pulse with me, you can just find me on Instagram, instagram.com slash yogeek. That's where my hub is most of the time where you can hear from me the most or know what I'm about or whatever. So that's basically where you can hook up. Photos from the Batcave. Photos from the Batcave, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Elsie. You are so welcome.
So are you feeling totally inspired to start a podcast yet? I hope so. And if you are, please let me know what you're up to. Tweet me at Vintage Amanda. Let me know what kind of podcast you're going to start. And of course, tweet me a link to your first episode because that would be so exciting to hear what you're working on and hear your voices. If you're not quite ready to start your own podcast, but you have a question about your business, you can dip your toe in the audio water by leaving me an audio comment. If you just go to the show notes at wellburneronline.com slash 58, then on the right-hand side of the page, there is a, a black rectangle that says ask a question and if you just click that it'll allow you to record your voice asking a question which we can share on the air so if you're just wanting to try out some audio ask me a question about your business i'd love to answer it on air so you can get the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com 58 and i'm sending you tons of success and lots of time for creativity and play in your business this week and i'll see you back here next monday for the next episode Thank you.